Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Well, good morning, church. I'm glad you floated in and made it. Good to see you here this morning. Uh, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, if you'll get that ready. Verse 29 is where we're going to start in just a moment. Uh, one of the privileges that I have in the ministry that I'm involved in is I get to be on the board of directors for Christ in Youth, which is located here in Joplin and does uh, youth events throughout the country. And even more exciting is we're about to enter into that uh, by going into uh, Europe. And one of the things that about four years ago, Christ and Youth asked me to go on an exploration trip into Ireland. It didn't take very, you didn't have to twist my arm for that one. And one of the beauties of God's kingdom is you learn to meet people throughout the world that are doing incredible work. And when I was over in uh, Belfast, I got to meet this young man named Jasper Rutherford. He has his PhD uh, in physiology, which is interesting, but he's a preacher's preacher. He's very influential in the churches in Northern Ireland. Uh, does this big youth event called Summer Madness every year, helps organize that. Uh, is very influential, loves the Lord, loves the kingdom. He's been in youth ministry, and now he's uh, representing Christ in youth with our European office in Ireland, which is exciting to share. And uh, when he came to the board meeting last December, I knew he was coming back in May, and I asked him if he would uh, like to meet our people, and I'd love to have him preach. Uh, he is a, a gifted speaker. He's a man after God's own heart. And his dialect is amazing. You'll enjoy it this morning. He's a true Irishman from Belfast. Would you help me welcome Jasper Rutherford? Good morning, church. How are you? At this point, you can get out your mobile phones and hit on Google Translator. It will help with the dialect. Um, I, I hope you enjoy it. It's wonderful to be here. I met Mark four years ago, and it's a privilege and an honor uh, to come and speak with you. The wonderful thing that happens when you go all around the world and you come into church, I feel at home, especially when it's raining. And uh, this, is, this is the beauty that we have as followers of Jesus, that I can come across the world and be with you and recognize Christ in you and feel at home and it's wonderful and so it's a privilege for me uh, to be here today. So um, we're going to get straight into it. Um, I love the fact that you're really taking time, lots of time to go through the Gospels. Um, It's wonderful to come and preach on this passage. It's Luke 5, um, very familiar passage starting at verse 29. I'm going to read it, enjoy the accent. Um, I hope I don't speak too fast when I get excited but Let's let's uh, let's worship together. Let's be open to what God has to say. Starting at verse twenty-nine, Luke five. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, "Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners?" The New Living Translation says, why do you eat with such scum? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. 
Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the parts from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say that old is better. Uh, One of my best friends, um, his daughter is six years old, and on Easter Saturday, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, they had had their prayers at night, and then Anne, who is six, she said, it was her mommy who was with her, says, mommy, I am so excited about tomorrow. I cannot wait to wake up tomorrow because Jesus rises from the dead tomorrow. I am going to get to see Jesus face to face. I am going to get to touch Jesus, mommy. And, and I sort of noticed Lynette's face really encouraged that her daughter so longs to meet with Jesus in new ways. Uh, but a lot of it, she goes, are you not excited, mommy, about meeting Jesus face to face tomorrow? And Lynette was like, I am so excited. Yes, Jesus did rise from the dead. Uh, we believe that. We, we worship a risen Jesus. And the Bible teaches that he ascended. Ascended is a big word for six-year-old. You know, he went back into heaven and he will come again. But she says, and they maybe not tomorrow. And then they went to sleep that night disappointed that she would not meet Jesus face to face on Easter Sunday. I love the expectancy that a six-year-old has to meet with Jesus in fresh ways. Do you have the same expectancy of a six-year-old that you can meet Jesus today in a new way, in a greater way, in a deeper way than yesterday? His work is not monotonous. It's not pedantic. He is alive. If somebody's alive, they're on the move. They do new things. His word is powerful. It's fresh. It's real. It's dynamic. He has an opportunity to speak to us afresh through his word today. That's what this passage is about. It's actually the Pharisees who are doing a ritual that has gone stale. This passage is about the gospel does not go stale. Whenever I grew up, my mum would have sent me to a local church. It was a Presbyterian church. Whenever I looked what was happening in that church, to me, the church looked stale and God looked stale. In fact, God looked pretty predictable. I didn't become a Christian till in my 20s. And now being around church, not only, I don't think God looks predictable anymore, but if I could say this, it's, he certainly looks programmable. And I think that's worse. We have this theology in our minds. If I just work harder, if I read more, if I pray more, if I give more, then surely God will bless me more. There's this unwritten correlation that we don't talk about that actually the more I put in, the more I get out. It's exactly same thinking that the Pharisees had, that the more they do, the more God blesses them. They should be the ones at the table. I want us, we will come back to the Pharisees later, but I want us to think about the wineskins. Now, in Jesus' day, wineskins were very expensive. Whenever the wineskin dried up or it went a little bit brittle after a bit of time, in my mind, I always thought they just went out and bought a new one. No, they didn't. 
Wineskins were very expensive. They didn't just go and make new ones or buy new ones. They couldn't go to the local Walmart store and just upgrade it and get a new one. That one's not worth it anymore. No, they renewed them. How they did this is they would soak them in water and oil. The water would soften them and then they would make sure the oil get into all the nooks and crannies, all the crevices that had went brittle. They massaged the oil into the corners and around the top which had got hardened. so that that wineskin could be pliable and flexible and able to receive new wine. They just didn't toss it aside. The wineskin was renewed. So I want us to think of some Greek words. Whenever I say Greek words and translations, we think it's gone stale again. It hasn't. Um, Please bear with me. So there's two words, uh, two translations, two Greek words for the word new in this passage, which are fascinating. So the word for new wine is the Greek word neos. Everyone say neos. neos. In an Irish accent? <laughs> Greek Irish accent? Okay, so ne- neos, okay, in this translation for new wine, the word neos means new on the scene. It wasn't there before. Our translation, it would be brand new. New wine, it is brand new. New revelation that was not there before. It's brand new revelation, new wine. The second word, the second translation for new is the word kianos. This is what used where it says new wineskins. It's not neos in this stage, in this instance, it's kianos. Everyone say kianos. It's American, kianos. Okay, so I can't do an American accent. That was really bad. So uh, um, kianos, so uh, kianos doesn't mean brand new. Kianos means new in quality that it's freshly developed, that it's different to how, how it was before. It doesn't mean brand new, it means renewed. So neos, brand new, kianos, renewed. If a wineskin was unused, it would dry up. The gifts, the teaching of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the ways of the kingdom are meant to be used up. When they are used, we are pliable and we stay responsive to the things of God. If we don't use what we have been given, we too dry up and lack the ability to mold and stretch and be responsive to the new wine, to the new revelation that God longs to pour into us and his church. This passage we're looking at today is one of Jesus' early parables. But the thread that he is trying to address in the Pharisees is a thread he addresses through lots of his parables. If we think about the parable of the talents, which is later on in his teachings, the parable of talents we're more familiar with. But why did God chastise the worker who hid his talent? The reason he chastised him was because he hid it and he was now unable to receive any more from God. Whereas those workers who had exercised all that they had been given, they were fully available, fully ready to receive the more that God could give them. But the person who hid his container, who buried his talent, who who put away what he had already got, he had no room for any more. It's the same thread that that Jesus is already calling out in the Pharisees. If we are faithful in the small things, 
the everyday things that Jesus speaks anew to us, then we will be ready to receive the more he has for us. If we protect ourselves, if we're happy with the place where we are, if we start to settle and get comfortable within our own skin, often, unfortunately, we miss the opportunity and the new revelation that God is yearning for us to engage with. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Paul reinforces that if anyone, anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. The same word kianos is used for both these words new in this passage. Kianos. We are a new creation, renewed. God doesn't look at us and think we've got it all messed up and then discard us completely. A waste of time, throw them in the trash can, I would say, the bin. But he doesn't get rid of us. He doesn't get a new one and think, I'll finish with that, I'll get a brand new one. No, he renews us into a new creation because he is so pleased with what he's already put into us, even if we don't know it, that we are created in his image and his beauty. He doesn't just get rid of us, he's invested so much in us, that he renews us so that we're ready and able to receive the new wine that he is longing to pour in. He redeems us and makes us new. He takes what we have been and who we were that we think he wants to get rid of it all and he takes it and he renews it into something beautiful. I remember when I became a Christian at the age of 23, I ran away from God for years. But I remember one of my mates, sorry, we use the word mates for friends. I remember one of my friends um, uh, uh, said to me, Jasper, it's, and he wasn't a Christian, it's, it's like all the best bits of who you were are now in full show. I thought that was great for somebody who wasn't a Christian. And I thought, yes, the good things that God already put into me are coming to the fore. And the things that I know are awful in myself, God is dealing with. Because he takes who we are. I thought whenever I became a Christian, I had to be this totally different new person. No, God renews. It's who he is. He's far too much hoping who we are to just discard us. Every one of us who has given our lives to Jesus have been made anew. We are a new creation. We have been born again. How did Jesus answer Nicodemus in John 3? He said, surely, Nicodemus, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Unless you have been born of water and baptism and of the the Spirit, the permeating, anointing oil of the Holy Spirit that gets into all our nooks and crannies, unless you've been born of water and Spirit, no one can enter the kingdom of God. We are the wineskins who are renewed with the water of the Word and the oil of the Spirit. Have you been born of water and the Spirit? Are there people in this church today who are born of one and not the other? Are you open to the word of God but not the spirit of God or vice versa? Has your wineskin, your body, your temple been so used to receiving and hearing from God in a certain way that actually you're stuck in that way and cannot receive to hear God in another way? Maybe you have soaked and stoked yourself in the word, but what you're missing is the oil of the spirit. 
to be renewed is to have these two things happen. Water baptized into Christ, oil filled with the Holy Spirit. When this happens, we're open to the word of God and open to the spirit of God and fully available for him to pour in his new wine. It's how he moves. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, Paul reminding the church in Corinth, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Those of us in Christ were given a renewed wineskin, a bodily temple to contain the things of the gospel in our bones. This body, this wineskin, this container needs to be supple and flexible and alive to the things of Jesus Christ, ready to receive and hold the very promises that God has for us. The revelation of God is always new. Neos, it's always new. The wine he serves us is always new and fresh. The wineskins he pours into are not brand new every time. They are renewed. Kianos, you and I need to be open and receptible to the fresh revelation God has for us, the new wine. So there is this cyclical transformation, this rhythm of the gospel living that is receiving and renewing, receiving and renewing, renewing and receiving, this rhythm of the gospel life. Open and going. But unfortunately, as Jesus is addressing the Pharisees, we have Pharisaical, that isn't how you say that word, we, we have habits that are the same as the Pharisees. We get into the same habits they got into. And it's this, we get so set in our thinking that God will speak to us in a certain way. We've encountered God in scripture powerfully. We've encountered him in prayer or we've encountered him in praise and worship. And what we try to do is we try to recreate that setting or that method that God will speak in the same way that he spoke to us before. And we create a formula around an encounter. Worked in the past. It's going to work again. The great Moses fell into this very same trap. We all know the story of Moses. So he led the people out of captivity from Egypt with his staff, all the plagues. They, they finally get released from Pharaoh. Uh, they're at the sea and then the army's coming again. They feel trapped. Moses gets his staff again. The waters part. The people walk through on dry ground and then the, the Roman soldiers are, are, are enveloped in the water and they're, they're in the desert. They're heading towards the promised land. They have escaped the Egyptians, God is with them in, in fire and cloud and, and they have had incredible encounters with God. And Moses has led the way in that. And, but the people very quickly start to complain. They start to do things their own way. They make golden calves. They, they, they think they can still do things that the way they did them in the past. They don't trust God. They complain to God. They cry out to Moses and Aaron. They say, why on earth did you take us out of Egypt? We have been far better staying there. Did you just lead us into this desert so that we could you know, die of starvation and thirst and honor all our animals are going to die of thirst? What place have you brought us into? Take us back. And they cursed Moses and they cursed God. And Moses and Aaron cry out to God and say, God, please reveal yourself again. So God says, okay, Moses, take, take your staff. I want you to gather all the people and all the elders and I want you to strike the stone and water will come forth. 
It's in Exodus 17. Water will come forth. So Moses gathers all the elders. He gets his staff and he strikes the stone and water gushes forth. The livestock are watered. The people are, are watered. They celebrate God again. They give him glory. A couple of decades later, they're still wandering in the desert. They're still trying to do things their own way. They actually come full circle back to the same place, Meribah. Moses named it Meribah because it was the place that they quarreled. And they're back in the same place and they're complaining in the same way. And they say, Moses, have you just led us here so that we can die of thirst? We would be far better off back in Egypt. Take us back to Egypt. And they complained again. And Moses on his face cried out to God, God, will you meet your people? And God said, yes, I will again. He says, what I want you to do, Moses, is take your staff. And this time I want you to speak to the rock. Gather all the people and speak to the water, speak to the rock and water will come forth. So he gathered all the people again, all the elders. He stood there. He got his trusty staff. He made a little jibe that, do we have to do this all the time for you type thing to the people? And he walks up to the rock and he takes his staff. And this time, I think he was showboating a bit. Instead of just hitting it once, he hits it twice. So he goes up and he hits it with the staff. Not just once, but twice. That's not what God asked him to do. God said, speak to the rock. But you see, Moses had a method. He had a formula. God moves whenever I use this staff. This is the formula. We all do this. We all have a set plan or method in our head that we think that's the way God spoke to me the last time. He's gonna do it again that way. God was not very pleased with this. In fact, this is the very reason Moses and Aaron were not allowed to lead the people into the promised land. You see, they robbed God of his glory. They took the glory for themselves and also they stopped God having new revelation in his people. Yes, God was honored, but not to the full extent. This robbed the opportunity for God to move in new ways. And he did not let Moses or Aaron lead them into the promised land because of this very thing. You see, God is precious about new revelation. It's never in the technique. It's always in the relationship. Never in the technique. Always in the relationship. It's never in the methodology. Pray this way. It's never in a formula. Fast this way. Give your money this way. Tick this box this way. It's always in the relationship. If you're here and you're a visitor and we have portrayed as Christians some kind of set list that you follow uh, and then God loves you, you know, it's like this. We don't say this, but this is the way we do it. I've read my Bible, tick. I've prayed, tick. I've given my money this way, tick. I help out in church this way, tick. Small asterisks and small print. Oh, God will love me now. Or it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. We go to the buffet and we, we choose a little bit from menu A and a little bit from uh, menu C, which is the Baptist, and a little bit from D, which is the Charismatics, or whatever it is, and we mangle it all together and we go through that list. And at the bottom, it says, God will love me. Our relationship with Jesus is far deeper than a set list or a tick box or a formula. My faith in Jesus is more art than science. It's more a dance rather than a march. It's more a song and a melody rather than a chant. Our relationship with Jesus, it's never in the technique. It's always in the relationship. It's always in the encounter. And that is new and available to us in different ways. And forgive us if we think and we have portrayed that there's a set way. 
And if you know you've got into that set way yourself, Jesus says there is more. There is more for you today. In this passage, Jesus shows us again that relationship wins. Relationship confronts religion and relationship wins. He says to the sinners, he says to the tax collectors, he says, come, sit with me, have a meal with me. Relationship confronts the religion. Relationship wins. Come and learn from me. Come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Come and taste and see that I am good. Sit with me, eat with me, get to know me. And the Pharisees are like, you're eating with such scum. And he's like, I didn't come to save those who think they've got it all figured out, the righteous ones. I came so that sinners can repent. You see, the Pharisees fundamentally and primarily worship God with their minds. It was an intellectual endeavor for them. A great book by James Smith, it's called You Are What You Love. I recommend it, it's a great book. In that book, he says that our modern discipleship is very much similar to the Pharisees of the time. He says that our discipleship endeavors are primarily an academic pursuit of God. That we search after God with our minds. He uses this phrase, he says, that it's as if human beings are just brains on a stick. It's a powerful image that nothing else counts. So as the more we can cram into our brains and into our minds about God, the more information and the head knowledge we will get. Well, that will make us follow God more closely because we've got it all in here. Now, we don't say it like that, but if you look at how we live our lives, it's often how we live it. Like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, we have made the gospel about head knowledge and not heart knowledge. Much of modern discipleship in our churches has focused on making believers strong enough in their minds so that they can just survive culture instead of bold enough in their hearts so that they can transform culture. Jesus didn't come to convince our minds. He came to capture our hearts so that we can love him. He touches us at our core. He longs for an intimate relationship with us, not a distant relationship built on how many quotes we have about him. An intimate relationship with Jesus is caught, not just taught. Love is not learned in a textbook. We encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit that we couldn't learn in any school or academic college. We can't put the encounter into words. The new wine of the Holy Spirit implants the biblical story deeply into the very being of who we are so that the backdrop and the, our life reflects how we perceive the world without even thinking about it because he is so in our very bones. He's everything that we're part of. He's everything that we're made to be. We can know Jesus, really know him on a register far deeper than our intellect. This is a belief you carry in your very bones. We can't put it into words or a clever tweet. So the gospel becomes the very fabric of who you are. So wherever, whenever we see religion or Pharisaic living or just religionistic or ritualistic living just for the sake of it, something in our heart breaks. It's as if the clothes don't fit anymore. It's not what we're built for. It's like we go to the shops and we buy a brand new Patagonia coat and we tear a bit out and we put it onto our Walmart top and think it fits. It's as if we get the shiny new book 
or a, a formula that works for somebody else so that we can patch up our relationship with Jesus rather than fall at his feet and cry out, Lord, I need more of you. Where do you search for this new wine that's available for you? Where do you search for it? In a podcast? In a TED talk? Just on a Sunday morning? A big event that you go to once a year? And I run events and they're great. You see, I can watch a Simon Sinek TED Talk or listen to a podcast of my favorite preacher while drinking my flat white and I feel good. And I feel content and happy with myself. Or I can go to a big event with my friends and we can worship God and we can hear a talk and we can feel good and content with, with ourselves and we can all walk out the door saying, that was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, that was really good. Ah, lovely, lovely, great talk, great talk. But how many of us leave transformed? How many of us have a new revelation of God in our lives that makes us weep, brings us on our knees. We open ourselves up to the more of God that, that we've been fearful of before or just stepping into new territory. I don't need to hear another good TED talk. I need an encounter of him. I need his fresh touch in my life. I long for his presence. I long for it. I need connection with God. Connection with God rather than always searching for direction from God. I need connection with him. Then the direction will follow. You see, I want a Jesus who gets into my bones, not just my mind. I long for new wine. I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to do something that Elijah actually, at the start of our worship time, introduced in terms of this waiting on God. We're actually going to let God be God and for him to speak. It's gonna be complete silence. There's not gonna be any nice riffs in the background or music in the background. It's gonna be complete silence. And this is, this is actually where a preacher is vulnerable because I don't have a program. I don't have a formula for this. We're gonna invite God to speak and what new revelation he might have for you today in Christ Church or Anogo. I don't know. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray and then just for two minutes, we're just gonna wait on God. And in that time, just you pray to God yourself. Ask him to speak afresh to you today. If there's things that you know are brittle and hardened in your own life, ask him to soften. Ask that his Holy Spirit massages and molds into those places that actually you don't want many people to touch. Be open today, church. Ask him to speak afresh. He sees your hiddenness.
So let's close our eyes. If you want to, you can, just as an attitude of being open, you can put your hands out. You don't have to, but it's just an attitude that I'm ready to be filled. I'm longing for more. If you want to do that, that's fine. If not, that's no problem. I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to have a couple of minutes of silence. Dear Lord, thank you that you're here. You're so welcome, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We long that you speak, that you speak new wine, new revelation today for us right now, Lord. Come. Have your way with us, Lord. Speak, Jesus. Come. Often in the silence, God speaks the loudest. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.